Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this identity episode, we will look at the fullness of who God is, plus the promises of what he does for us through the filter of his names. I like to call the core of who God is, his isness, and the actions of what God does for us, his doesness. And then we will look at what it means to contain the fullness of God in our hearts and how to release that fullness by living an abiding lifestyle. Who is God? The omni-truths of God reveal God's isness. I remember the day the light bulb went off in my heart for what I would later call the isness of God. I was working on an extensive Bible research project on God's name, I Am, also known in the Greek, Jehovah, and in the Hebrew, Yahweh. The revelation came as I was meditating on the truth in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in John 1, 8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. That part that jumped out at me in the moment was the who was part. I realized that before God decided to create the heavens, the earth, and everything and everyone in it, he was. In our self-centered culture, we often filter our ideas about who God is through the lens of me. We wonder, how can God love me because I'm such a hot mess? Or we may think, God's just too busy to notice me. Or worse yet, why on earth would I need God? But God was traits and characteristics even before he created people at all. These characteristics are not in any way affected by us. They are who he is. The Matthew Henry commentary on Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you to me. A name that denotes what he is in himself, I am that I am. This explains his name Jehovah and signifies, number one, that he is self-existence. He has his being of himself. That he is eternal and unchangeable and always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And number three, that he is faithful and true to all his promises, unchangeable in his word as well as in his nature, And he's saying, let Israel know this, I am hath sent me to you. I am, and there is none else besides me. All else have their being from God and are wholly dependent upon him. Omni means all. If God is something, he is all of something. This also means that I can't have that something that he is without him. I can't love without God. I can't have peace without God. I can't be good without God. God has to share his characteristics with me for me to have them. When God shares himself with us, there is not less of him. There is more of him in us. Like a candle that lights another candle, the light isn't spread amongst two candles. It multiplies. I decided to ask Jesus about this observation. I asked, Jesus, tell me more about this issue of your I amness or your isness, Lord. Yes, this isness, as you call it, is a significant understanding about me and my relationship with you and all people. The more areas that you can recognize this truth for, the more areas you can learn to surrender to me. 
If you know that I am something, then you know that you can't be that apart from me. You can only allow me to be that thing through you or for you. This awareness is the first step to surrendering an issue to me. Then surrender leads to freedom, I asked. He said, yes, exactly. There are many, many more areas to learn about related to my name Jehovah, the great I am. You will discover them along the way. Just remember that once you discover an area that is my identity, it's time to submit it to me. Let's look at each of the omni-characteristics of God one at a time. God is omnibenevolent. When researching God's love, I came to the realization that no matter what I do or have done or will do, God loves me. His love is not an emotion in the sense that we usually box in the word. God can't love me less if he tried because it's not something he does or something he feels. It's who he is. Because God is unchangeable, he simply can't love me less than perfectly, unconditionally, and wonderfully. 1 John 4.16 says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What a relief that you don't need to be perfect to earn God's love. God was love before he laid the foundations of the earth, before you were a glimmer in your mother's eye. He is love now, even when you mess up, even when you don't feel it. He will be love forever, long after this earth has gone away. God's omnibenevolence is not just limited to his love. If you look up the word benevolence in the power thesaurus, you will get a long list of words that all include the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 23 Trees don't bear different types of fruit. They bear one kind of fruit. So notice that it's called the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits of the Spirit. The Lord does not and cannot separate any of these characteristics from each other in himself. When we reflect God's nature, we will start to look like all of these things. Wouldn't you feel better with a little peace, self-control, and kindness in your life? God is omnipresent. God's omnipresence means that he is, was, and always will be everywhere present. This statement spans across all time and space. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Psalm 139, 1-18 addresses this truth perfectly. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. 
Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like a day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. How I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one came to pass. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God is self-existent. He was, he is, and he always will be. God holds all time in his hands, but he lives outside of time. What does that mean? It means that everything that has ever happened or will ever happen has already happened in God's true reality. He knows how your life will turn out. Not because he is directing your life like a puppet on a string, but because every decision you will ever make, he has seen you make already. Why is this important? Psalm 1611 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. It's important because if God gives you a promise, it's because he's already seen it come to pass. He knows already what job you're supposed to take, what house to buy. All we need to do is ask. God is the God of all and not just of those who believe in him. Psalm 19.16 says, And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, which means that long before you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he was with you, watching you, seeing everything that has ever happened to you. God will never leave or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you, he will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God is with you right now, not just when you pray or think you need him. He is with you always. God is omnipotent. God is the Almighty. He is all strength, all might, all power. We have no strength at all without him. You may ask, What do you mean? I do things all the time in my own strength. I get up, I walk, I talk, I drive, I exercise, I work. Well, not exactly. I asked the Lord to speak to me about his omnipotence. And he said, I hold all creation in balance. The abilities that all creatures and people have to think and do things are all given by me. I am the breath of life. If I held my breath, all creation would cease to exist. Everything you do, you do by my power. I am the God of all, not just the God of those who acknowledge me. You need my strength always, not just when you're aware of it. When you understand this truth, you will ask, desire, and seek for my strength more. You will also realize the need to surrender issues for which you think you are in control. I am in control of everything at all times. I hear people say that they are afraid of losing control. You can't technically lose something that you never had. It's actually a good thing that the one who is in control is omnibenevolent, omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. The sooner we realize and understand that truth, the easier it will be to surrender everything to God, including your worries. God is omniscient. 
God is all-knowing, he is sovereign, and is the source of all wisdom and understanding. He understands in a way that is far more complex than our human minds can process. The Lord sees in the natural and in the supernatural. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is nothing natural or supernatural that God doesn't know about. He is sovereign, which means he holds the reins for everything that happens at all times. Job 12.13 says, To God belong all wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. I asked the Lord to help me understand what this verse meant. And he said, My knowledge exceeds beyond what is currently knowable to people. I know all natural and supernatural things. I can see every motivation of the deepest part of a person's heart, the things that are even hidden from their own understanding. I know everything that has ever happened to everyone, things that affect behavior for which no one has awareness. The fields of science seek to understand my creation. I know the answer to every complex question in the universe. I created it all. I know everything that has ever happened and will ever happen. When you add together the timelessness of God's presence with the ultimate nature of his wisdom and the boundlessness of his power and the unfailing nature of God's benevolence, you are beginning to see how big God really is. Hebrews 6, 17 and 19 says, So when God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. Thus, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be strongly encouraged. We have this hope as the anchor for our soul, firm and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Lord, what do you have to say to help us better understand your isness? And Jesus said, Many people question my goodness because they don't understand how a benevolent, all-knowing, everywhere-present God could allow bad things to happen in this world. I want people to choose me of their own free will, and in this fallen world, there will be pain, challenges, and disappointments. What I want people to know is that I cannot deny myself. To be me is far more complex than any human mind could ever understand. The juggling of the omnitruths of my omnibenevolence, presence, power, and wisdom are like the conducting of a beautiful orchestra. There are so many moving parts. I turn around every tragedy for good according to my perfect omni-nature. You may not understand why things are happening the way they are, but asking why is the wrong question. Instead, ask, who is my God? I will always work things out for your best interest. Keep your eyes on me and trust me for who I am and what I plan for you. Remember, this world is only a precursor, the opening act for your eternal destination. Trust me to show you the way. Okay, let's shift gears now and talk about God's doesness. 
we're going to be looking at the compound names of God. One day when I was doing my homework, the Lord interrupted my meditation and said, Patty Cake, I want you to research why Eskimos have so many words for snow. Right now, Lord? Right now. I learned a lot about snow that day, but more about our own need to communicate clearly, specifically, and without confusion, especially on issues of life or death. Prayer is our way to communicate with God. The wrong prayers have no lessened or even undesired impact. The right ones have unimaginable power. It was God that clarified the point of this assignment and what would be the formula for the How to Live a Worry-Free book that I wrote. He said, You have heard that there are lots of words for snow in the Eskimo language. Each name of snow communicates something critical to the Eskimo's life. So it is for my names. Each one communicates an aspect of me that is critical to the Christian life, for trusting and abiding in me. Like the Eskimos, who know each snow condition and its implication for their lives. So I want you to know my names to call on when you pray and how to pray them with authority. This will be part of what I want you to teach for the kingdom with my power. Study the snow and you will better understand what I'm saying. Look for the patterns in the naming system for snow. It will inform you of the ways to communicate about my names, the promises in the word and who I am and who you are as a child of the living God, and the conditions of those promises and their fulfillment in the lives of my people. This will help you come up with a construct that will help teach people more about how to pray with more authority over the issues and challenges they face in this life. In that assignment, the Lord revealed to me what he most wants people to understand. We can call on God by any of his names and make him real to us in the moment and learn directly from him how to pray with authority the victories we need in life. Mike Noble from the Cleveland House of Prayer calls God the trillion-faceted diamond. He often asks people which facets they've encountered. Some have met the provider and can trust him for their provisional needs, but don't know him as their friend. Others have met the great physician and trust God with their physical needs, but not their emotional ones. Our God is all those things and so much more. He wants you to allow more and more facets of the diamond to pierce your heart and transform you. He wants to set you free, whole, and victorious. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. The revelation came to me about the doesness of God when I was meditating on the name Jehovah Jireh, which in the Greek means the Lord provides. Now, first it's important to mention that sometimes you see LORD with all caps, and sometimes you see LORD with just a capital L in the Bible. What's the difference? The all caps LORD represents the isness of God. It's another way of saying Yahweh, Jehovah, I am. The capital L only Lord is the name for Adonai, which means my Lord, which suggests a surrender to God's sovereignty and power. Jehovah Jireh means that all the omni-truths of Jehovah God are added to the action word of Jireh, the provider. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God promises to meet 
all of your needs according to all his benevolence, power, wisdom, and presence. He is not limited in any way to the laws of this world to meet your needs. He knows everything, so he's going to provide in ways that you would never have imagined. Does this give you a broader picture of God's provision? Now let's look at Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah is all the omni-god plus the action of healer, Rapha. Let's imagine that your doctor has said that there's nothing that can be done for your health circumstance. Does that mean that God is limited to this present level of medical intervention? Absolutely not. Actually, I think the Lord loves those kinds of circumstances to show his power and increase the faith of not just the person who needs healed, but those who are watching. God is the healer and great physician. He should be the first doctor you see, not when all else fails. Pray that God will heal you in a way that there is no need for medical intervention. Sometimes the healer will use medical intervention, and sometimes he likes to use miracles. His ways and his means are what we should desire. It's important to note that Jehovah Rapha is the healer of physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental illnesses. Call on his name for any and all healing needs. Then make sure that God gets the glory when he heals you. I believe that one of the biggest problems we face in the body of Christ is that we limit God in our minds and we pray much below who he is and what he can do. There are many, many more action names of God. He is your comforter, your counselor, your rock, your redeemer, your savior, your fortress, your deliverer, your protector. The important part for me is to understand that when you see an action name of God in the Bible, remember that all of who God is is combined with the promises of all that he will do. Like the Eskimos, we need to expand our vocabulary for God. He is and does so much more than we realize. There are many, many more names and character traits of God than we can see in our English language translations of the Bible. In the Web Bible Encyclopedia by ChristianAnswers.net, they have listed 939 names and titles of God with links to scriptures that reference them. They are all distinguished by Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and Latin experiences that people had in the Bible where they experienced God and then gave him a name. Link to that resource of the 939 names and titles of God are below at the pattyej.podbean.com site. Now let's look at who you are and what it means to have the fullness of Christ in you. In the heart of every believer, there's a treasure box that holds the most valuable treasure known to man. It actually includes the very isness and doesness of God. It fully equips us to live the abundant life that God has planned for us. Isaiah 45.3 promises, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. The treasure box contains the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 explains, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in my love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and how deep is the love of Christ and how to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I ask the Lord, help me understand what this means to have the fullness of you in my heart. And he said, it begins when you accept me as your Savior. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. When you open the door of your heart and welcome me to dwell, the Holy Spirit brings with him the fullness of God. You are the very container of the fullness of God in your heart. This is the treasure in the earthen vessels referred to in 2 Corinthians 4.7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Wow, that's incredible, Lord. Why do most of us live like this isn't true? He said the Holy Spirit is a gentleman who patiently waits for you to call on him through prayer. When you know that you have the fullness of me in your heart, you can pray with more power because you can call on my nature, wisdom, power, strength, and gifts to accomplish whatever I need you to do. The more you abide in me, the more you will feel the transforming power releasing from this treasure box. You will become the very best version of yourself when you unleash the truths of fullness of Christ in you. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow him to be and do all that he is through you. Let's look at all that's accessible to us by the finished work of Jesus when we accept his gift of salvation. God shares his isness with us. He shares his nature and his character. His character, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He shares his nature. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Everything we have learned about who God is, the isness of God, is fully accessible to us. For us to live a godly life that he has for us, all the omni-truths are available for which we may participate and cooperate. His benevolence, wisdom, power, and presence. We just need to ask him. God shares his nature and his character with us so that we can live victoriously and reflect him to others. Notice the absolute words in those verses. God's divine power gives us everything we need to live a godly life. It is through God's promises that we are fully equipped to serve and have his divine nature. We lack nothing to live a victorious life. God also shares his doesness with us. He shares his strength and his gifting. His strength in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And in his gifts, we learn from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, there are different 
kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all them and in everything, it's the same God at work. Now to each one is the manifestation of the Spirit, given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. Adding the omnitruths of God's isness, we can tap into God's doesness as well. God shares His strength, and He equips us with gifts so that we can accomplish His kingdom purposes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 explains all of this. Listen to the absolute words in this passage of Scripture. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that had been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified our Lord to glory. However, as it was written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, God wants to be believed. And if he says that we have the mind of Christ and that we have received the Holy Spirit so that we can have his understanding on all matters of our lives, he wants us to trust him with that information. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the authors of the Bible is in you and is waiting for you to believe him for his promises and step out in faith. Even if the world thinks that this is all foolishness, God opens the minds of those who actually believe him. 
Let's look at abiding in Christ now. One sleepless night, I asked the Lord to show me something important about living the Christian life. And God showed me a junk drawer, like the one you might have in your kitchen filled with random but sort of necessary items. I reached my hand into the drawer and I expected the items. In the drawer were my favorite mechanical pencil, my journal, a deck of cards, scissors, a paddle ball, a small handheld mirror, paper clips, band-aids, and a lime green pipe cleaner in a water bowl, and a Chinese finger trap, and a measuring tape. What do these items mean, Lord, I asked. The contents of this drawer may look like random junk, but they represent key aspects of inviting in me that are all useful and helpful for you to live a faith-filled life every day. So don't think of it as a junk drawer, but more of a go-to utility drawer. Your journal and the pencil represent recording your journey with me together. With the pencil, you write your story that you and I have written, not in permanent ink, but in an erasable pencil lead. No day will ever be perfect, but that's okay. That's why you have an eraser. Every day there will be new mercies available to you. Prayer and humble repentance allows you to erase those imperfections away. The journal, like the measuring tape, lets you go back and see how much progress you've made, and it records the lessons that you're learning along the way. As I guide, care, and protect you each day, and you listen to my voice and cooperate with me for the plans I have for you, we are writing a beautiful story together. I am the author and finisher of your faith and the Good Shepherd. The paddle ball represents the highs and lows of your life. I am with you for every tear, whether it comes from a belly laugh or an anguished heartbreak. Just like the elastic always returns the ball to the paddle, you and I are tethered together by my love. I will never leave or forsake you. I am the mighty counselor, your omnipresent friend. The scissors help you cut out sin in your life. And just as the paperclip binds loosely, you can remove layers of pride like sheets of paper and toss them away when you humble yourself before me. The band-aids are for the bumps and bruises of everyday life. You can always find healing and comfort in me. I am the comforter, the great physician, and the healer. Remember how Tazzy, that's my cat that's now in heaven, used to put those pipe cleaners in his bowl every day to help him see the water level. The pipe cleaner reminds you to seek out my living water and to drink of it every day. As I transform you, you will begin to see me when you look in the mirror, and so will others. The deck of cards reminds you to play by my rules as they are for your best interest and point you to my character. I am the Lord God Almighty, the one who called you by name and leads you by the living water every day. The Chinese finger trap reminds you that striving in your flesh is futile. When you relax and learn to rest in me, you will bear much fruit. Only by gently pushing your fingers together does the trap release your fingers. Trust and rely on me daily. I am the vine, the way, the truth, and the life, and the sovereign Lord and provider. Use my names to help you know who I am and remind you of who I am. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. John 15, 4. Abide in me and you and I together will do amazing things. Are you ready for the Lord to help you understand more about his business and business in your life? The goal of today's encounter is to expand your understanding of how big God is and to get a sense of how to tap into the fullness of God in your heart. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. Find a quiet place, quiet yourself down, fix your eyes on Jesus, and make sure you tune to the spontaneity of the pictures, images, sounds, feelings that you have as you're experiencing your special place as a child, and then record everything in your journal. After playing with the Lord for a while, ask him this, how have I made you too small? What do you want me to understand more about your business, your omni-truths? And how do you want me to tap in to the truth of the fullness of you in my heart? Give me a metaphor, a picture, experience, or just a message where you tell me what I need to know to make you bigger in my life. Then you can ask him, which compound name of you can I call on right now for a present need or circumstance in my life? Show me how to tap into that facet of you related to my life circumstances today. And then thank him for what he shows you. Ask as many questions as you need. Keep the conversation going. Praise him and thank him for what he shows you. Well, I hope your experience helped enlarge your opinion about who God is and who you are in Christ. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.